What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Week 13 Sunday Recap. Man, oh, man, do we love doing a Super Friends breakdown of everything that happened in the week that was in the NFL. We're trying to make it faster this week. We'll see how it goes. A reminder, if you like it, leave a review. If you love the show, like the show, new to the show, whatever, you know, whatever it is, you dig it, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We crash through a threshold, uh, burst through a threshold, I guess. We're looking to keep the momentum going as we head towards the playoffs. Tons of great shows. The more reviews we get, the easier it is to convince our bosses to let us do what we want uh, and not fire us. So that's great too. So leave a review, five star rating, hit that button. Um, and keep writing funny reviews because frankly, they're hilarious. You're, you guys are funnier than we are. Certainly funnier than Mr. Sad Sack, Ryan Wilson, who uh, is feeling, uh, is wearing his dangerous shirt that our buddy Lewis made for us, podcast listener, wearing his uh, Baker Mayfield shirt on a day that Baker Mayfield lost to the Steelers. We'll get to that. Sean Wagner McGuff, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Brinson? And John Breach. Howdy, John. I ate seven slices of pumpkin pie day. I'm ashamed of myself. You know what? I ate an entire calzone for dinner. I feel better. Thanks, Brenton. Seven slices? How many slices are in a normal pie? That's none of your business how I cut my pie. I'm not going to tell you. Is it, isn't, that, isn't that just like three-fourths of a pie? Or I think there's oh. usually eight slices in a pie. <laughs> I was gonna say, it sounds like you ate a pie. <laughs> but it's over the course of a day. Our day starts at like 9 a.m. It is now midnight. So that's less than one slice every two hours, I think, if my math. So it's not bad, guys. Trust me. Did you um, eat anything else, or was this was this like Thanksgiving leftover party time? Uh, oh, it was definitely Thanksgiving leftovers. I had what else? I had, I had a Chick Fil A sandwich. I buy one every Saturday night to eat on Sunday while we work. So that was my day. It was pumpkin pie and Chick Fil A. Overnight Chick Fil A sandwich? Oh, it's delicious. The fried ones overnight. Whew. Uh, you eat it up, or do you eat it cold? I heat it up. You think I eat a cold chicken sandwich? Do you heat it up in the toaster oven or the microwave? The microwave. Uh, uh. <laughs> It was off before you heat it up. It's still no. I heat up the pickles oh. too. It's all delicious. Don't knock I've, until you've tried it. I've learned too much about breeze in these last two uh, minutes. <laughs> the uh, we had a podcast listener DM me. It was like very important question. I'm going. This is in Canada. He's coming down uh, to the uh, Vikings Seahawks game tonight for Monday Night Football, and uh, he was going to go to Chick Fil A for the first time. So he asked me what he should get. What would you order at Chick Fil A if you had to pick if you were if you were going for the first time? I told him, either get the number one combo, but be careful if you don't like pickles. Make sure you get them off. Or I would get a spicy chicken sandwich. I like my I like the Chick Fil A spices. That's what I would go with instead of the regular number one. Definitely spicy, spicy chicken. chicken, and then get the waffle fries. And you know what? Treat yourself and get a milkshake. I, I told him a milkshake too. And you, you know what the real pro tip for Chick Fil A is? You can ask for the waffle fries to be well done. And then they're way less soggy and much more crispy and much better. And the other pro tip for Chick-fil-A, you ask for the fat-free honey mustard salad dressing to dip your fries in. It's some of the best honey mustard out there. And the other pro tip is that since it's December, there's peppermint stick milkshakes, which are delicious. So get one. This guy is going to gain more pounds than I gained today eating his pumpkin pie because he's going to get seven things. Get the milkshake, the peppermint stick milkshake. Get Brent's suggestions. Get buffalo sauce to dip your fries in. Uh, it's delicious. All right. Let's get to some football. Not a delicious evening for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in Houston. They lose to the Houston Texans 28-22. And what can only go down as a 
pretty shocking victory for Houston considering that, uh, Tom, uh, Tom O'Brien, Bill O'Brien had never yeah. beaten Bill Belichick, uh, since he, since he flew the, uh, flew the Patriots nest. And, uh, he got a big win here that really, I think, guys, throws the AFC playoff picture as a whole into a, into a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a mall. It's a fracas. It's a, uh, uh, another word for crazy confusion. Would you agree or disagree, Sean, that this altered, uh, the way we're going to look at the AFC playoff picture? Yeah, you actually, uh, and I want to preface all this by saying everything I say, I'm not saying if you steal my bills thing, I'll murder you. I'll kill you. I would like to see you try, Brinson. You yeah. can't even mail something to me in, in two months. I would like to see you get the here. Bills, the Bills could win. The Bills could still win the AFC East. If the Bills win out and the Chiefs beat the Patriots next Sunday, the Bills would be the number one seed in the AFC. And after we watch them dismantle the Cowboys, it's not that far-fetched. And so the other implications, obviously, suddenly the Ravens now are holding the top seed because they are to beat the Patriots. So suddenly it's looking like... It's not, can Lamar Jackson go into Foxborough with his trip to the Super Bowl on the line? It's, can the Patriots go into Baltimore and do it? Which they already tried to do it once this season, did not go well. And also, let's not mention, the Patriots play the Chiefs next. So if the Chiefs beat the Patriots, something that could happen, uh, sudden, and then the Patriots could, in theory, lose to the Bills, the Chiefs are suddenly played their way back into a chance to get a first round bye when it looked like for a long time we were sticking them into that third seed. So, uh, and we haven't even mentioned the Texans, the fact that, they have the Titans hot in their heels, and no one expected them to be able to beat the Patriots. So this is a huge win for them because it's a win I don't think anyone expected them to get. And suddenly they're eight and four. You know, they're not one of those seven and six or whatever seven five teams. Uh, I think I think they're legit, and, and this game proved that they could actually win a playoff game or two. And I think along for most of the season we've said, "Oh, Watson's great, but he's not going to be able to overcome Bill O'Brien." Bill O'Brien coached a hell of a game tonight. Um, and that play call that he stuck it to the Patriots to kind of put the game on ice was an incredible play call. One you could argue maybe he should have saved actually for January. Yeah. Uh, Why? Why save it for January if you beat the Patriots? That's huge. That's just because they didn't need to do it. That's they a fair, were going to win. I would they also, did need to do it. They won by six points. They probably would have scored there anyways. Well, I think I don't they did argue. it as a test because after the game, Bill O'Brien said that Hopkins and Duke Johnson drew up the play on a piece of paper over the bye week. Oh, really? And O'Brien was like, well, I guess if we can squeeze. So it was more of a risk-averse play where he probably wanted to try it while they were leading to see if it would work. And then if it did, like, all right, guys, well, go drop some more plays and uh, we'll throw them in the playbook. So those two literally drew up the play. I I think the the risky part of the play, and by the way, for those who didn't see it, what it was, it was like a uh, underneath reverse pitch. It was a double hand. They double hand, handed the ball off once and then Fuller was, or sorry, Hopkins was coming back across the formation and they handed it off to him. And then from there, he optioned it to Watson, but it was a forward pass. So it went down as a touchdown pass for Hopkins. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Hopkins got the ball, ran an option style play and then pitched it high. I would argue that, um, two things. Look, it, it's a great play. I don't want to be, the well actually guy and complained about the awesome play. But uh, one, if you fumble the ball, the Patriots go the other way. It's going to get a little dicey and people are going to point to that play. And two, I don't know, maybe don't have your two best players on your football team, like just begging to take huge shots from defensive players late in the game when you're up by multiple scores. I have no issue with that play call. I actually loved it. We crushed Bob all the time, Bill O'Brien, about being too conservative and doing stupid stuff. It worked. Let the Texans fans enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I mean, we're talking about save the play for January. This team was seven and four coming into this game. They're supposed to lose by 20 points. They won the football game. 
Jerry Hopkins is your best player. Deshaun Watson is your second best player. Vice versa. Have the ball in their hands. Literally, the two best players had the ball in their hands. And they scored a touchdown. Yeah. Settle down. Ryan isn't a bad mid. Isn't Yeah, and I will say to Ryan's point, and you guys saying that they maybe didn't rate because the score, they didn't need to run it. It was twenty-one to nine. If they don't get a touchdown in that series and they're forced to kick a field goal, it's twenty-four to nine, and you're still only up two possessions on the Patriots with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, which isn't a comfortable lead, you would much rather be up three scores. So um, I'm on Team Ryan here. I, I like the call. I don't think you hold it till January. You win now, Sean, because there's no January if you don't win now. It was. I, I don't want to get into this. It's a great play call. I'm just saying it was first and goal from the six. No, they, they took shots on the field. Um, they were. I thought they were smart about their offensive game plan, and frankly it exposes what I think it's going to be really interesting with the Chiefs because – what we saw is that you could like Stephon Gilmore was all over DeAndre Hopkins, and they've known each other since college because Gilmore played at South Carolina, Hopkins played at Clemson, you know, they're rivals like that. You could tell they didn't like each other. Gilmore held him mostly in check, sixty-seven receiving yards at the end of the day. He did have the pass, the passing touchdown uh, to 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 Watson, um, but you could tell that the Texans were more than content to take their vertical shots to Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, and that they knew they could beat the secondary Patriots players. And I'll be very curious how New England operates defensively when it has to play a team with this many weapons, like the Chiefs, uh, like the Ravens. You know what I mean? Like, the Patriots' defense is great, but what if you – like, if you have multiple ways of beating a team, multiple ways of beating somebody on offense, it feels like you can put up points on them. And they have their very own James White and uh, Duke Johnson, and Duke Johnson wore their ass out. Uh, in the pass game, I know they stopped them running the ball, but who cares about that? Uh, I thought he was a, he was a nice weapon in the passing game, sort of mixed things up, gave him the underneath option, and did basically the same thing that Tom Brady and James White have been doing for years up until this year, pretty much. Um, the only issue I had about the Texans, I thought they did everything perfectly except that very last defensive drive. It's like they thought the game was over, and they were just like – it was like a walkthrough. Like James White's running crazy through the field. Yeah. The Edelman touchdown, the, it's like the leverage was wrong on the touchdown. It was a pretty easy throw. Yeah. It's Other like, than that, they played out of their minds. It's like, hey, guys, you have 28 points in uh, NRT Stadium against the Patriots. You may want to make sure you win this game because we saw them up. 20. And the onside kick. I'm sure John was probably stripping out naked because he thought it was going to be another crazy onside recovery. Lathering pumpkin pie on his bare chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pumpkin disgusting. pie onside kicks. Oh, yeah. That, that was why I saved the slice was to other myself in case an onside kick got recovered. My God, it was close. It was I, close. Uh, um, I, I want to point out real quickly that I thought that this game flipped very early. And it's, I think this is really telltale with the Patriots. You, you, the Patriots need to play from ahead right now, how they're constituted. They have to play from ahead. And they got a three and out from the Texans early on. And then they marched down. I mean, it's an immediate three and out. They go 14 plays, 54 yards, or sorry, actually, excuse me, 69 yards with 15 with the penalty. Um, five first downs. They're running the ball like crazy. Sonny Michelle looks good. I mean, it looks like this is the, what we saw from the Patriots at the end of the game last week. And then they have to settle for a field goal. They get another pump for the Texans. Then Tom Brady throws that interception. It was a bad interception. And, you know, it, it goes back the other way. And as soon as that happened, and then the Texans got seven at seven to three, and then they score again quickly. It's like, whoa, whoa. Like, it was a very shell-shocking moment. And the Patriots went punt, 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 punt. After that, and then turnover on downs, and then they're in the fourth quarter, and they scored three touchdowns in the third quarter. I don't think those three touchdowns are indicative of their offense. I think their offense is a lot closer, Ryan, to what we saw in the middle of that game. And I would ask you, is Tom Brady washed up? I think it's hard to differentiate Tom Brady from the rest of that doo-doo offense. 
Isaiah wins back, and he he. I don't know if Brady was any more well protected this game than he has been previously. Um, the issue was along the right side with um, Jacob Martin, who we used, we were making fun of a few weeks ago as being the the other guy as part of the clowny trade. He actually was getting after it on Sunday night. But yeah, so the running game's fine if it works, but there's literally no one for him to throw the ball to. Nikhil Harry is back from the injury off IR. He went out of the game at the same time as uh, Karras, the center, went out of the game, so he only played like half the game. So clearly something – they weren't happy with something he was doing. Tom Brady's obviously frustrated, but I don't know uh, – so if Tom Brady is on the Chiefs, I guess he's playing better. I mean, I would like to think he would be playing better. But the, ball, the ball's not coming out of his hand with the – Speed. It doesn't. It doesn't look accurate. Like he doesn't know any of these guys. Or he hasn't. He doesn't have a lot of familiarity with these guys. He knows these guys clearly. But I guarantee you, if AB wasn't facing a possible suspension whenever he decides to come back, Tom Brady would be driving him back to Foxborough, too sweet. Because that's what you needed on that last drive when they took him two minutes to get down the field, even though the, the Texans weren't playing, and they don't have that right now. By the way, did you see? What the Texans wore to the game, the Texans players? Yeah, SWAT gear. I didn't like that. I, I made a note and wrote FFS. Uh, for, I was like, for F's sake. Is what so I was like, this is. Is the, this is like the 2012 situation where they all wore the Letterman jackets yep. after they started 11-1. No, they wore Letterman jackets to New England on Monday night, and J.J. Watt was leading the charge. Yeah, house, 42-14 to 14 or something. So I was like, oh, well, this is clearly what's going to happen here. These guys I, are going to be big on the Patriots because of their SWAT gear, like the SWAT gear. My my only my thought at the time before the game was when I saw the SWAT gear. I said the only way they're gonna beat the Patriots now is if they literally bring machine guns and start shooting people with these with the SWAT gear going along with it. Luckily, they didn't have to do any of that. Shout out to Last Boy Scout. But uh, yeah, uh, nothing bad to take away from this game. And apparently, that's a thing they do because they were wearing Mortal Kombat costumes before their last game against the Colts. So they just. You know, like DeAndre Hopkins drawing up plays on his bye week, these guys just come up with costumes to wear. One thing, Ryan, you said about the Patriots offense is it's not even – like Tom Brady definitely looks like maybe he's lost a little arm strength. He's not sure where to get the ball. But the Patriots receivers had trouble getting separation. We, we heard Brady looked like he complained about it. And what is he supposed to do with the ball if his receivers aren't open? And so he's not – 30-year-old spry Tom Brady anymore. He can't just be running around trying to find something, wait till his guys get open. They've got to get open or he's going to get murdered. He's 42 years old. I don't care how pliable you are. If he keeps taking hits like he did against Houston, he's going to get hurt or he's going to get beat up and he's going to play worse because he's someone who doesn't play well once he starts getting banged up and once he starts getting rattled, uh, which doesn't happen often, but it looked like it was starting to happen this game. And so what we see is the Patriots, his go-to is he just starts uh, dumping the ball off to James White because he doesn't want to take a hit. And then obviously he'll try and be on the same page with Julian Edelman. And, and Ryan, I think you nailed the nail on the head with the whole Antonio Brown thing. Antonio Brown literally dropped a tweet in the middle of this game with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You showing his five Patriots highlights because I think that's all the highlights you can have when you only play in one game with a team. But they were all there on this tweet. So he is making it as clear as possible that he still wants to play for the Patriots. And I really think after a situation like this, and if this were to happen again next week against the Chiefs, I think we might see Belichick go to Robert Kraft and be like, look, we're not going to win Super Bowl unless you call Roger Goodell and tell him to reinstate AB, and then AB comes to Foxborough. I mean, this is—they're getting to desperation mode. No, we we are, we are getting to the point where it's like Bob Kraft is going to have to apologize to AB. <laughs> <laughs> um, real real quick, just yeah. to put into perspective how bad Brady was in this game until 
I don't want to call it garbage time because they actually came close to recovering an onside kick to go tie the game. But midway through the third quarter, this game looked completely over. Brady was 9 of 25 for 90 yards in an interception. He was averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. Sean, at that point in time, when he was 9 of 25, he had more rushing yards than completions. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of those things where we're so cautious because we've seen it over the years so many times of him having a bad game or two, calling him washed, and then he comes back and wins the Super Bowl. So so it seems like if any other 38, like not even 42, if any other 36-year-old quarterback was having this kind of Mediocre, mediocre season. Yeah, we would be calling him washed, like we're doing with Matt Ryan and like we're doing Philip Rivers. And with Brady, we're like we're wondering, we're asking the question, but we're so hesitant to ask it. But if you were to just strip away the name, present his stat line, or like if he could just be a blank figure and watch his film, a lot of people would be calling this guy washed. I think. I even the forty-four yard pass to Julian Edelman that set up like I think the first Patriots touchdown. Um, I'd open. He he was wide open and Brady like didn't make that great a throw. Like it was like a it was like this like a little floater that was wobbly. It just didn't have the same crispness to it. I don't know. Um, and by the Can way, I ask Breach a question because Breach is a, a resident conspiracy theorist. Knowing what we've seen from Tom Brady the last month and a half, John, and knowing that he's his house has been sold, Alex Guerrero's house has been sold. Who's going to be the quarterback in New England in 2020? Tom Brady. Oh, you know what? You know what I was. Um, during the that game, actually, mm-hmm. I was I was like, wait a minute, you know, Tom Brady isn't under before. It was like Tom Brady's not under contract. He could go wherever he wants. What if he wants to go to L.A.? What if Bill Belichick's like, see ya, dude? <laughs> I mean, like, what if he's like, we're not signing you, Tom. You are you are in fact washed, and we need a new quarterback. And I'm gonna go get somebody who's not washed, like Philip Rivers. And jeez, um, <laughs> that's your fantasy, isn't it? That is Brett's fantasy. <laughs> he's been he's been picturing this since like five years ago. He's like. How can Rivers get to New England? Good long game, Brinson. It's going to be Dalton. Breach. Stop it. I'm just trying to pit you guys against each other. FYI, the Ravens went, according to Sportsline data from Stephen O, went from the projected number two seed to the number one seed, and their Super Bowl chances 26.5 to 30% as a result of that. What the outcomes of today's games. Uh, the Ravens won, obviously. We'll get to that in a second. And the Patriots went from 21.9% to win the Super Bowl down to 18%. Uh, the Texans went from a 61% chance to win the division up to 81% chance. Um, no, excuse me. 61% to win the division, 81% chance to make the playoffs went up to 72% to win the division, 94% to make the playoffs. Worth noting, the Texans play the Titans twice. Uh, the Colts <laughs> lost and uh, to the Titans. We'll get to that in a second. And uh, the Jaguars are, are crap. So um, it's looking like those two Titans games, if they can sweep the Titans, they have the Bucks and the Broncos as well. I mean, they can make a little bit of a run at a, at a bye here, too. I think it's probably unlikely. But there is chaos in here. Um, the Ravens hold the tiebreaker over the Patriots. The Chiefs hold the tiebreaker over the Ravens. The Texans hold the tiebreaker over the Chiefs and the Patriots. Uh, and the Patriots hold the tiebreaker uh, over who am I missing? Anyway, whatever. Maybe the Patriots. Well, the Chiefs Patriots tiebreaker will be decided next week, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and again, we'll get to the Bills in a second, but if the Bills went out and the Patriots lose to the Chiefs, the Bills will be the number one seed in the AFC. That would be my, if, if, the, if the Bills in the division too, insane. Uh, let's talk about those Ravens. Oh, actually one more point on the Texans. Um, it's kind of fascinating that they have, uh, three former number one picks at cornerback. Vernon Hargraves, Bradley Roby, and Gary and Conley. And they're all playing pretty well. Like, they've come in and made a pretty big impact. Like, they got oh, Jonathan Joseph, too. Or you mean guys they brought in? Yeah, yeah. We, we, they brought him in free agency, like, 
what back like 2013, 20 years ago, yeah. But yeah, yeah, like they've all they brought in Conley, Hargrave. They traded for Conley. They signed. They got uh, Hargraves off the wire, and then Roby was a free agent this offseason, right? And I mean, look, they're talented guys. They went the first round. They're playing. They're playing well. So uh, good for them. Ravens beat the 49ers 20 to 17 last second. So this is why Breach ate all this pie. He's just smearing himself with pies like Justin Tucker's banging him. A, a game. Oh, Justin Tucker, yeah. Uh, Justin Tucker had a game. Justin with- Tucker on one screen and American Pie the movie on the other. Oh, God. Uh, the 49ers covered the five and a half. The under a 45 and a half hit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 24 fantasy points in this game. Did this game live up to the hype for you, Sean? Yes. Uh, and my takeaway isn't. Oh my God, the Ravens are so good because we already knew that. It's that I think these are the two best teams in football in my mind. Um, because I don't take, I don't look at this for the 49ers as a negative. I mean, obviously it's a loss and it hurts their positioning in the NFC, but they were right there with the Ravens who we have been talking about for weeks as the most all around team in football. And this game came down to the last two drives for each team and the 49ers were down three. They had the ball at the Ravens' 38-yard line, or sorry, 35-yard line, and they had a fourth and one. And this is where people are going to get nitpicky and criticize Kyle Shanahan, who otherwise does a tremendous job, obviously, with the 49ers and getting the most out of that offense. He called a passing play on fourth and one. The pass was batted down the line of scrimmage. They had been running the ball like crazy off the edge against the Ravens, and that's why people are going to second-guess the play call. They averaged six yards per carry. They ran the ball 29 times for 174 yards, so I understand the second-guessing. And then Lamar comes down and leads the game when he drive, and um, kind of surprising to see John Harbaugh settle for the 49-yard field goal instead of trying to get more yards in those conditions. But when you have Justin Tucker, I guess it doesn't really matter because that was as automatic as a kick gets. And Lamar wasn't that impressive in that game in terms of what he's been doing. But I think that's kind of scary because this was like game manager. Here's that phrase again that I was overusing a few weeks ago. Game manager Lamar. Like he wasn't hitting on the big passing plays, um, but he wasn't. He was making safe passes, wasn't turning the ball over, and he did so much damage on the ground that I don't really know how you beat this Ravens team. But the flip side is that the 49ers went into Baltimore and could have won this game against the best team in football. And I think they've all they've done in the past few weeks, even like they've lost to the Seahawks and lost to the Ravens, two really good teams, they've legitimized themselves in the process, though, the way that they've lost those games. Well, yeah. in, Lamar's defense, in Lamar's defense, I mean... He was good. Ford's defense is really good, and that, that the conditions were disastrous. Yeah. No, I'm not... That wasn't a negative. I'm, I'm saying that he was good for what the game called for, I thought. Sure. Go ahead, Ryan. What were you saying? Oh, um, I, I agree with most of what Sean said. I don't think I was that down on the 49ers the last few weeks. I thought Jimmy G had started answering some questions. I thought he was fine. He had the one fumble, but, again, the conditions weren't great. It is funny. Every time the 49ers go to the D.C. area, it's a monsoon. They played the Redskins whenever that was, and that that the weather there was terrible, uh, equally as bad against Baltimore. But um, I thought that the Debo Samuel touchdown catch over Marcus Peters on fourth and two was absolutely awesome. And I was actually looking to see the um, the rookie wide receivers, uh, the pass catch totals uh, th- through whatever, 11, 12, 13 weeks, because I was checking on your guy Ke- Kelvin Harmon, um, Brenton. He has 13 uh, – no, he has, actually has 19 catches now. I mentioned that because Debo's number one. He has 40. He's been an awesome addition to that offense. Uh, Manny Sanders has been hurt a little bit, but he's certainly there too. But I think Debo, more than anyone else, has been sort of important for what Shanahan wants to do down the field. And I thought he, he played really well in that game. And um, – I was impressed with what he did. Mark Andrews, the tight end, had that awesome catch in the seam route. 
uh, on their first touchdown, I believe, and he continues to be an important thing. And I thought, interestingly, when after he scored, he did the Nick Bosa flag-planting touchdown celebration. So I don't know who that's going to come back on last. I guess it came back on Nick Bosa this time, but who knows if it'll blow up in Mark Andrews' face at some point. That's going to be a last team standing. Whoever's in the Super Bowl that either went to Ohio State uh, or Oklahoma, that's that's who's going to be playing the flag last. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is that, Sean, I don't know I necessarily, necessarily agree with you that Shanahan made a bad call because if you look at his mindset, they had a fourth and two earlier in the game that Ryan just mentioned where they did throw the ball and they got a touchdown to Devo Samuel. Then we had a fourth and one later in the game where they also threw a pass and also converted. So now you're at two for two throwing the ball twice. And so now you get to the third one and the Ravens are going to be totally off their game because they have no idea what's coming. They might be expecting the run, but they're like, oh my God, we've already been burnt on a pass twice on fourth and short. They might throw it again, but they might run it. We have no, so it really was a way of keeping the Ravens off Kelter. So I don't think that that was a horrible call by Shanahan, especially since it already worked twice. If anything, I would hold it against Harbaugh more for not trying to get closer. I don't care if Justin Tucker's your kicker. When you're playing in a monsoon, anything over 40 yards is not a gimme. Robbie Gold fell five yards short. Robbie Gold is one of the best kickers in the NFL over the past three years. He fell five yards short on a 51-yard field goal. So there's no telling that you're automatically going to make a kick from 49 yards. I thought that was actually a worse coaching job, just that end part right there than what Shanahan did at the end. I thought Harbaugh should have played for five or ten more yards, especially since they had 36 seconds and one timeout. Um, it, yeah, they kicked on third down, and they ran their second down play with 36 seconds left. Like, they clearly – it was really bizarre because Shanahan this year – or, sorry, Harbaugh this year has been so aggressive on fourth downs and just with this mentality. And, like, you would trust Lamar not to make a dumb mistake, not to take a sack, not to turn it over. Or, you know, your offensive line is maybe the best offensive line in football, especially with run blocking. Trust them not to get a holding penalty. So that was – I agree completely. That was really bizarre, and he's lucky he has Justin Tucker to bail him out of those situations. Lamar Jackson's 101 rushing yards, uh, gave him four games this season with 100 plus rushing yards. The most ever by a quarterback in a single season. Michael Vick had three twice in 2004 and 2006 and Russell Wilson had three in 2014. The Ravens also have rushed now for 2,494 yards this season. The third most rushing yards by a team in the first 12 games of a season since 1970. Only the 72 Dolphins and the 75 Buffalo Bills had more. So this team's pretty good. And I really think, I mean, I just think, I mean, the, I think the Ravens should be kind of a heavy Super Bowl favorite at this point. Like, they can do everything. And I know people question Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. That's stupid. I, Who's I don't, doing that? I, p, trolls on Twitter. Joe Flacco? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Dude, less than a year ago, he got booed in a playoff game in Baltimore. Okay, there were people, people people were talking about putting in Flacco at halftime in that game. I was just thinking about that. Think about it. I think if I'm the Ravens, though, my one concern is, look, they're 0-2 against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson hasn't proven he can beat them, and it's almost a certainty that they're going to face each other. I can't see Kansas City losing in the wild card round. I don't think they're going to get a bye at this point. And then, boom. You go from the wild card, you might have to face the Chiefs in the divisional round. And if you lose that, you know, you don't even get to the title game after the spectacular season by Lamar Jackson. So although I agree with you that the Ravens probably should be viewed as the favorite, I mean, you could say the Chiefs are kind of their kryptonite right now. And so that is the one team that I would probably pick to beat the Ravens if they played head to head, even though I think the Ravens are probably the best team in the AFC. Lamar Jackson doesn't play defense, number one, and the Ravens defense is playing a lot better 
over the last three or four or five weeks than it has at any point in the last year and a half. So I mean, points per game, I think, in the winning streak, which is eight. I games. think if that game is in Kansas City, it's what Chiefs minus three, maybe. But what's the line if it's in Baltimore? I, you make the Ravens a dog in the playoffs. I am going to take the Ravens. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, what's four the line and a half in Baltimore? No, it's not that high. I think it's probably it's. I think Ryan Tony it's probably three per pop because it's it's like it's just that's just home field advantage. Um. The Chiefs defense, by the way, is playing really well lately too. So they're getting better. Their run defense is terrible, but their pass defense is really good. Yeah, I mean, just looking back on that game, I mean, Lamar twenty-two or forty-three, two sixty-seven, no passing touchdowns. Did uh, only ran eight times, forty-six yards and a touchdown. So hmm, interesting. Kyle Shanahan said afterwards, "We had every chance to win that game. Came up a little bit short at the end. Credit them. Hopefully, we can earn an opportunity to maybe get a chance to play them some other time again. I think we. Ooh. If you had to pick right now, Breach." Would uh, 49ers-Ravens be your Super Bowl matchup? It like, would not. No, 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 not not the one you think will happen. Like, what your preferred matchup? Sorry. Wait, my preferred or what I think is going to happen? Like, you get to pick. You get to preferred. Preferred? Chiefs-Vikings was my prediction before the season. I still kind of like that because I still think the Chiefs have the most potential to beat the Ravens. And I think the Chiefs can beat any other team that would be in the AFC playoff field. And probably the 49ers in the NFC, even though I'd like my Vikings prediction to stick, as I'm sure you would, Brenton. So I'll say Chiefs 49ers right now. Well, for, like, for, cause for pure entertainment purposes, like, who, like, who, the, I mean, I don't care about your own personal gain. I care about, like, what do you think would be the most entertaining game, Ryan? I'm with you. Baltimore, San Francisco. I love how Breach asks what you're asking for. Then he said the opposite. <laughs> Cow- Cowboys, Ravens would be the most entertaining. No, it wouldn't. Are you kidding me? Dak, Ezekiel Elliott versus Lamar? Yeah, one team punting on fourth and one, the other team going for every fourth and one. If I was going to be like 50 to 35, it would be an insane Super Bowl. Uh, Harbaugh would kick off to Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett would punt on first down. (laughs) It was Cowboys, 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 Ravens would be entertaining in that we could go to the bar at halftime. (laughs) That game would be slaughter them. You go, Sean. Uh, Chiefs, Seahawks. I'd like to watch Mahomes and Russ go head head. High scoring game. Saints, uh, yeah. I don't really are want this, are, are the Saints that fun? They don't really throw the ball downfield and like Sean Payton once did an onside kick to open up the second half. Uh, of the yeah, yeah. That was that was ten yeah, years ago, was... Brinson. Quit living in the past. I was in high school at my friend's house watching that game. My friend's mom made us cookies. That's how young I was. God. Did you find twenty bucks at any point? No. Moving along. Steelers, Browns. Steelers take down the Browns. Mayfield not feeling so dangerous now, is he, Ryan? Uh, 20 to 13. Steelers plus cover the plus one and a half as home dogs. The under hits as it should always in Steelers and Browns games. Um, James Washington caught another touchdown pass. He's actually becoming like kind of a reliable, uh, 49, uh, reliable 49. What am I talking about? Reliable fantasy option. Um, but the real story and, Multiple, uh, multiple Steeler players talked about this afterwards. Like I think, uh, David Castro mentioned that it motivated the team. Freddie Kitchens spotted over the weekend wearing a t-shirt out of the movies that said Pittsburgh started it. Uh, he Do you did, know what movie he went to see where he wore that shirt? I'm setting up my ability to play audio, but I don't know. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I want to, I want to give you the heads up. It was a movie about Mr. Rogers. Do you know where Mr. Rogers is from? Pittsburgh. 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 So. Double whammy. Ooh, wait. He wore uh he wore that shirt to see a movie about a Pittsburgh guy. I Meaning you might have Pittsburgh like 
folks there? Mm, questionable. Hey, look, the, the guy's not a Mensa member. Let's start there. <laughs> Freddie was asked about the shirt afterwards and gave an answer that, well, you know. I mean, listen, I, I, the T-shirt didn't have anything to do with us uh, at the minus one moving out. I wore a T-shirt. I wore a jacket with it. Um, my daughters wanted me to wear the shirt, and I'd wear it again. I put a jacket on. I covered it up. I took a picture with a fan. That was as simple as that, you know. T-shirt. I mean, T-shirt didn't cause us to give up 40-yard passes, and we were ready to play. That's the only thing people need to be concerned about. We were ready to play. I love I love how he trails off. He's like, hey, they didn't give us, didn't give, didn't cause us to give a forty yard pass. It's like, okay, Freddie, you're you're sort of you're in a bad spot here, pal. Like you you had to win this game if you're the Browns. They are now five and seven. They are pro- safe to say that they're not going to make a playoff push. Does it feel fair? I mean, I think the Titans are their biggest competitor. The Steelers are who they are, but the Titans, I think, maybe has the best chance for uh, last- to for the last spot. I feel like they do. It ain't going to be the Raiders. No, I'm saying like the Browns are. I think it's the Titans or the Steelers. Yeah, no. What I'm saying is I think the Browns are done because they. I don't think they're going to leapfrog the Titans under any scenario. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the Titans again do have to play the Texans twice. Uh, the Browns do get the like the Browns are probably going to end up at eight and eight. And we're gonna they go- are, and I'm going to predict this. And John may or may not agree, but I think Andy Dalton will beat them at least once. Ooh, I do agree. I was actually trying to break down. I thought Brenton might ask us later. Who would Sorry. get that six slot like he did last week? And and just the Browns, uh, Freddie Kitchens in the interview said so he'd be prepared. John, John thinks the Bengals are going to get the six slot. <laughs> <laughs> They're eliminated, Brenton. I already did the math, but they'll get the six spot next year. Speaking of math, the Browns now have a 2.3 playoff percent chance percent chance of making the playoffs according to Sportsline. I will be handling the post in which I break down the Browns playoff scenario breach. So please don't bother trying to claim it or do it. Can I point out something? Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN who now covers the NFL. He used to cover the Browns and the Steelers, incidentally. Oh, oh, our old colleague. Jeremy yeah, Fowler. way back in the day. He tweeted on Sunday afternoon after the game that the Browns didn't expect this to be like an 11-win season. They knew this was part of the building process. And the implication was there's a chance old Freddie Outhouse might come back, which would only delay any success his team might have. So I don't, under, I don't know uh, under what pretense you would bring Freddie Kitchens back because he is – the only reason this team is as terrible as it is. I mean, you can talk about Miles Garrett swinging helmets and all that. The team won last week without Miles Garrett. They should have won. They could have won this week. I don't know if they should have won. They were up 10 nothing, and then everything went sideways. Did you, did you watch, did you watch this game closely? Every play. Okay, what happened? Cause they were up 10 nothing. I was sort of like, all right, I'm in a good spot with this Browns bet. I think the, the offense wasn't clicking and that's in part due to the Steelers defense being as good as it is. But here's, here's what happened from the Steelers perspective. They kept running the ball on the first few series with Duck Hodges. And finally, when they were down 10 nothing, they said, okay, we got to open it up and you just start throwing BBs all over the place to James Washington. I do think it's funny that James Washington has great rapport with Duck Hodges, even though he played the last eight years with Mason Rudolph. It's unbelievable. He like, like the you know the shower narrative that's what they call it in fantasy. It's when you it's when you went to school with a guy like so you know you you, you know, showered together or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean yeah, Mason Rudolph and James Washington like, I mean how many catches how many catches did he have from Mason Rudolph in college like four hundred and he just yeah. can't get on the same page with him at the pros and then like Duck Hodges slides in he's just catching everything four catches one hundred eleven yards and a touchdown for James Washington uh, Benny Snell sixteen carries sixty three yards and a touchdown he is somebody I would look at for your uh, for your fantasy playoff run because of uh, his his status with the Steelers 
who knows if he you know, was actually. By the way, can I point out, um, Mike Tomlin should secretly be in the in the running for coach of the year. This team was zero and three. They've won seven of nine, and this this team they put out there, this offensive squad, that is a practice squad unit. Other than the offensive line, Duck Hodges, James he, Conner's out, Marquise Pouncey's out. They had Dean Kane, uh, Dion Kane, excuse me, who was cut by the Colts. They had Tevin Jones. Can anyone tell me where Tevin Jones went to college? I don't even know where he went to college. Uh, Western Kentucky. Is that true? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think so. I was going to say, good guess. You should have gone with it. Um, Deontay Johnson, the th- third round pick was out there. James Washington, their second round pick from a year ago. No Juju Smith Schuster. They don't throw to the tight ends anymore. And it was all on the defense and Duck Hodges made a few throws and, and you know, the Browns Browns it up. Memphis, by the way. Um, I know the Steelers won, so I'm not trying to like dunk on Ryan the Steelers, but I did like that when they benched Mason Rudolph. Uh, Mike Tallman's explanation was, uh, Hodges hasn't killed us. And then the Steelers are lose are winning this game 2013 midway through the, through the fourth quarter. And on the first play of their drive that they're going to try to salt away the game, he throws this deep bomb by 20, overthrows it by 20 yards and it gets picked off. And I was like, duck, that is literally the one thing that Mike Tallman said you would not do. And you literally just did it. And they ended up surviving, but I found that humorous. Um, I agree. By the way, the, uh, there were multiple players, as I mentioned with the Steelers who, not to circle back to the Freddie Kitchens shirt, but it is hilarious. Uh, Ramon Foster was asked about it after the game as well. I know our coach would have never done anything like that. Why throw gas? Uh, I know I said I want to answer, but when you do something like that, you throw your players in harm's way. Um, he's not on the field. You throw your players in harm's way when you do stuff like that with a Vendor Uh I hate that for them. I am annoyed that, that Freddie Kitchens – like this clearly motivated the Steelers. Let me ask you this. Like, the shirt is sort of funny and I don't care about it. But why would you wear it on Friday? Why not wear it, like, wear it on the plane right home today when you win? It's, it's one, it's one of those things. It's like the shoes, the Joker shoes and stuff. It's like, if you're winning, it's fine. It's entertaining. No one cares. But you can't do this when you're a five and six team that is already below expectations because you know, if you do lose the game, it's going to be turned into a talking point. So it's like, I agree with Freddie Kitchens. That's not the reason why they lost. But you have to be smart enough to understand that if you do this and you lose, it's going to turn into the main narrative. And it seems like this entire year, that's what the the Browns just don't have like any awareness of their perception. And maybe that doesn't matter in terms of football, but it matters in the way we talk about them. And they can't expect to do this kind of stuff, play sloppy football and get outplayed by teams that they have more talent than and then not to talk about it. By the way, you know who the model citizen is for how to pull this thing off? My boy, Matt Patricia. After the Super Bowl, he wears the Roger Goodell clown shirt. After they won, prancing off down the steps of the, at the, uh, at the airplane, and everyone had a good laugh except Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. Except now that AB's been suspended, Bob Kraft can't make that phone call and ask Roger Goodell to reinstate AB without, without any issue. But that's how you do it. You win the Super Bowl, then you can make fun of whoever you want to make fun of. Right. You don't show up to like media day in a Roger Goodell clown shirt, like, like before the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm with you. I mean, it, it, it is a, it's just the definition of the Browns being sloppy. It's what they do. They screw things up all the time. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will run through a bunch of other football games. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The Kansas City Chiefs annihilated the Oakland Raiders 40 to 9. The Chiefs easily covered the 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, whatever you want to say it was, spread. The, uh, the, the over pushed. It opened at, uh, I think it closed at 49, opened at 50. So you could have gotten at 50, um, and you would have hit the under. A bunch of late garbage points got it to a push too. The, uh, the Chiefs actually blocked an extra point and returned it to the house to get two points. To, to make it a, an even 49. The Raiders, for some reason, weren't taking knees, even though they were down 38-3. to three. Like, he should just run the ball and get out of there. Gruden's throwing the end zone. They score a touchdown. Uh, Mahomes has a okay day, 15-29 uh, for 175 yards, one touchdown. He also rushed a uh, touchdown in there. Second career game with a pass TD and a rush TD. Also his second straight game with fewer than 200 yards passing. It's almost like he's statistically regressing. Um, those are... His only two games in his career where he's under 200 passing yards. Um, Andy Reid, off the bye. Andy Reid, off the bye. Andy Reid, covers off the bye. 18-3, and three, straight up. Pretty good. Um, and the Chiefs, I think, Breach, have sufficiently salted away the division now. Yeah, I feel like this was the most predictable game of the entire season. We literally talked all week about... There was a 100% chance that Andy Reid was going to win off the bye and that Derek Carr was going to completely choke in this game. He looked horrible the last time these two teams played earlier in the season, and there was no reason to think he was going to play any weather better. I also love that Jack Del Rio called him out earlier this week and said he hates playing in cold weather. Then he has to come out and play a cold weather game, and what happens? He falls flat on his face. I mean, how did the Chiefs win with Patrick Holmes only throwing for 175 yards? Because Derek Carr played like Derek Carr. Uh, you, you put the win in charge of him. He has to keep up with the Chiefs. It's just not going to happen. He threw a pick six. Uh, he threw two interceptions in this game. They were both ugly interceptions. And that this is just the reality the Alligators are facing. I, I mean, if I'm John Gruden, I'm calling my real estate agent and making sure that Derek Carr isn't living next to me in Las Vegas so that it's not awkward whenever I decide to get rid of him in the next year or two. Um because I think if there's anything we've learned about the Raiders in the past few weeks, I mean, look, they've scored 12 points in the past two weeks mm-hmm. against the Jets and the Chiefs. That's six points per game. I know you hate math, Wilson. So I, I just don't see how anyone thinks that 
I, the Raiders are out of the playoff race. That's it. We can. Well, the Raiders suck. The Raiders there suck, is man. no way they're getting in the playoffs. They're terrible. Clip it. Lost. They lost games, consecutive games by 30 plus points for the first time since 1961. Derek Carr, 20 of 30 for 222 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Somehow, 7.4 yards. Yard. I don't know how this guy does it. It's unbelievable. He doesn't throw one ball down the field. He finishes 7.4 yards per attempt. It's incredible. He's a magician. He's a YPA magician. Uh, the Raiders have just over 9% chance to make the playoffs, according to Sportsline. Uh, Josh Jacobs ran 17 times for 104 yards. I don't know if you guys listen to this whole game. Romo and Nance were calling it. And they, like, Nance is being like hilarious in this game. He kept like, so Josh Jacobs crossed over 100 yards. And then he got like tackle for a loss. And so he's like, and there he loses this game. And then like Jacobs like went back and forth several times and Nance just kept making a joke about it. It was, I just found it, I found it very amusing. Late in the game, it was a four score game and the Raiders were going for fourth down near midfield. And Tony Romo goes, well, I think they got to pick this stuff to stay in the game. And then right before the snap, Nance yells, this is for the ball game. And like, and then they, they kick a field goal at the end of the drive and Roma goes, and now it's only a four score game. And Nance points out, well, it was a four score game before Tony. Yeah. They were at, they were so sarcastic in the entire second half of this game. He told him, he's like, come on, Jim, give us your best call. And he's like, here it is. This is for everything. Right. <laughs> it's like, they're um, look, we don't want to, we're not going to pile on the Raiders because they lost. They lost. They lost to a good football team. It happens. Um, but yeah, I would say, yes. I just want to point out that they're six and six. All six of their wins have come by one score. They now have a negative 87 point differential, which I think is like the fourth or fifth worst in football. Yikes. They are aggressively not good. Also worth noting before the 31, 34 point, 34 three blowout last week at the hands of the Jets. Breach and I will attest they should have lost to the Bengals the week before that at home. They won seventeen to ten against oh. Ryan Finley. This team is not going to the playoffs. So their final four games, worth noting, because the over under win total for the Raiders, um, whoever's I think it's Sean's your piece that keeps making that noise. If you want to blame him, folks who listen. Um they got the Titans at home this coming week. Probably a loss. I think that's a very bad matchup for them. Um, then they get the Jaguars at home in week 15. That's a final home game in Oakland history before they move to Vegas, we think. Uh, so they should beat Jacksonville there. That place would be rowdy. I think it would be emotional. Jacksonville's given up on the season. Uh, then they're at the Chargers and at Denver. So there's a chance they could lose out and hit the underwind total. But I think they will probably get to seven, maybe eight wins, uh, which is not a bad step forward in John Gruden's second year. But, you know, it's disappointing to be where they were even if it was all smoke and mirrors and not make a playoff run. Uh, Sean, would you like to defend your your little precious prince, Patrick Mahomes? No, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because I'm probably, I at least on this podcast, I'm the biggest Patrick Mahomes homer, and probably at CBS Sports, and I would say in general on Twitter. And I tweeted out his stats the last two games, which is by far his worst stretch with the Chiefs. 59% of his passes completed. 5.7 yards per attempt against the Chargers and Raiders. Two defenses that aren't exactly good. Uh so he's not been good the last two weeks. Um, I tweeted that out, and all these Chiefs fans are coming to my mentions talking about how I'm creating a false narrative, and it must be terrible for all these good players to like have these national media guys creating these false things without using real stats. It's just like, dude, like I got in hot water for saying he outplayed Brady in the AFC Championship game. Like I'm not the dude to come after. But you watched how the Texans took apart the Patriots on Sunday night, and I think – even though it's a Patriots defense, and I don't know if they're still going to be ranked first after their performance against Houston, 
I think if there's a good chance he's going to rebound. I think there's openings they can create with their with their speed offensively and get the ball out quick against those linebackers. So I'm I'm not panicking about it, but it's certainly it's weird because he's looked the most healthy he's looked since he suffered that ankle injury back in week one, to be frank. And his accuracy and the efficiency in this Chiefs offense has completely disappeared the last two weeks. Mm. I'm trying to read these tweets from uh, Chiefs fans. Would you like me to find some or just keep going? I don't. I agree. Yeah, I don't care either. Uh, moving along. <laughs> uh, fewest games to 70 career passing touchdowns. Touchdown, Mahomes 27. Titans 31. Colts 17. The Tennessee Titans covered the game. They were uh, one-point favorites at close. A lot of people like the Colts in that spot. The over hits in another Titans game, which is surprising because – you don't think of them as like explosively offensive. Um, Derrick Henry, 19 fantasy points, had another 100-yard game. Worth monitoring because, as you recall, last week I told you that when teams play Derrick Henry and he goes off for 100 yards, the next week they're now 1-6 and six, uh, straight up. So keep in mind that with Indianapolis. Um, huge, widespread impact, uh, by the way, on, on the playoff race. And Derrick Henry's last three games – 22.7 carries per game, 165.3 yards per game, five rushing touchdowns. This is exactly what he did last year. He gets going late in the season, and when he's running well, Ryan, this Titans team is pretty dangerous. Ryan Daniel playing really well, too. Yeah, my guy JLC wrote about this, and you actually said it last podcast, and we sort of laughed at you that Tannehill might be a a uh, prospective uh, franchise tag guy given how well he's played, and that's sort of bonkers. On the other side, the Colts. Jacoby Brissett was 25-40, but he had two interceptions. One was a pick six, I believe. Is that right? Two horrific interceptions. And that got me to thinking. And then John can speak to the issues with the kicker that I have to talk about every week about who's available. Cody Parkey, I suppose. But two-year deal for Jacoby Brissett before the season. Uh, he'll be signed through 2020. I, I'm seriously thinking from the Colts, I might be looking for a quarterback this offseason, at least someone to sit behind Jacoby Brissett and Sean's gesticulating because he was basically saying this last week we made fun of him. He actually's onto something. I hate to admit it. But I don't know if Jacoby Brissett's a long term answer. And this is a terrible day in the annals of NC State quarterbacks as NFL quarterbacks. Come on. Like, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Do we go do we get swept this week? Is that what happened? State quarterbacks? Finley got, got Russell. Russell on Monday night. Rivers loses Rivers loses incredible fashion. Brissett has a horrible day. State lost to Carolina. So I think if I'm doing the math correctly, um, over the last uh, 10 days or 11 days now, 12 days, whatever it is, NC State quarterbacks are like 0 and 12. They're off two weeks. At least Mike Glennon got in the game against the Jets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, uh, look. It's fair to ask questions about Brissett. He didn't play very well. Their offensive line is still really good. That's the biggest strength of that team. Um, you, know, you can see it. They, I mean, they, they should have won that game, by the way. Like the Colts should have won that game. Everyone agrees with that, right? I do not. I do not. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, they had the pick six. They had the interception, the touchdown off, off the block block kick. So you take those two away. It's seventeen seventeen. It's anyone's game. I wouldn't say the Colts should have won. I felt like it was pretty even. Adam Vinatieri is kicking a, a field goal for, from forty six yards in a tie game to go up twenty seventeen, and they block it to the house, and then. Right, and if they don't block it, it's been a Terry this year, so he probably misses it. And then the Titans take over at the 36-yard line in a tie game. 
uh, give the ball to Derrick Henry ten times, drive down, kick a field goal, win. Even if he does make it, the Titans are only down three, and they have they have five minutes left to go tie the game or win the game. I mean, the culture of seventeen-seven in the third quarter. I, I, I they they should have they should have put away the Titans in this game. Is what I'm saying. They had multiple opportunities to win it, and if you win that game, you know you go from being this team that's six and six and behind the Raiders and behind the because you lost the Raiders at home for that wild card spot. Uh, you're just one game out from behind Pittsburgh, um, but you know you're, you're now two games out of the division. You're basically toast in terms of trying to chase down the, the the Texans. The Colts have Tampa Bay on the road. They have three of their four remaining games on the road, and they've quietly lost four or five games. I, I you know, I, I just don't know that I would put it all on Brissett. I just thought that Marlon Max out, T.Y. Hilton's out. I mean, they don't have a lot of what Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle, his Jordan- knee still hurt too, but. At some, I mean, he's the quarterback. That's where the Bucks start. You know, you know what I don't like about the school's offense, and I don't know if it's – I don't want to assign all the blame to Brissett. I think probably Frank Reich probably deserves a little bit of blame, and I like Frank Reich, but they don't throw the ball downfield. And it, it's – I said this a couple weeks ago whenever they lost that primetime game. Like, I don't want to watch this team because they are so uninteresting to me. And, yes, a part of it is T.Y. Hilton's not there. And if you look at T.Y., their record without T.Y. Hilton over the last couple of years when he's not there, it's really bad. They've won this, once. Okay, how many times have they lost? A lot, I think it's right? like one and eight. Right, and so the Set thing... On attempt, 20 yards or more down the field, and it was intercepted. And the other thing I want to say <laughs> when I was waving at Ryan when he was talking about Brissett might not be the answer, uh, back in August when they gave Brissett that extension, I, I did not like that idea. And I know it was like, oh, we want to show this guy we're behind him. You had him under contract for one year. Let him prove that he's worthy of starting and being your franchise quarterback and then reward him after the season. And now... It's a cheap deal. And, I, mean, I know, he, I'm just saying that, like... It seemed it like they year. were sold on him, and it seems like at the beginning of the year we were also sold on him, and I was praising him along along with everyone else. But I do think this team should go into the offseason trying to locate an upgrade. And you can still keep Brissett around, uh, but I think they got to give themselves another option at quarterback. What about at kicker? Because uh, we keep saying this game might have was mostly Brissett's fault, but you have to put it on their special teams. The Colts have somehow lost four games this season, mostly – because of their kicker or because of their field goal team. And this was one of those things where everything that's happened this season kind of added up. Vinatieri missed three field goals in this game, missed a 55-yarder wide right, not a big deal. A lot of kickers missed that kick except for Justin Tucker. But the other thing is he also had a 53-yarder that was partially blocked, and that was because he kicked it low. And so some kickers do that, especially your older you take some trajectory off the ball to make it go further. That's what Vinatieri was doing. And so you have teams going in there and flying in there and trying to block it because his kicks are low from further back. And then, boom, you're trying to 46 yards in the game. And that's basically what happened. The Titans knew that he's sending out blockable kicks. And I would think if you put the blocks in anyone, obviously the Colts line needs to block better. But it's on Vinatieri as much as anyone on that special teams unit. And so if you're the Colts, you literally, no matter how Jacoby Brissett has looked, he's looked good at times, he's looked bad at times, but if they had a competent field goal team, they would be, I mean, you could argue they would be nine and three or four right now. How many, how many games? I I wouldn't even blame Finn Terry or the special teams players. That's like blaming Ryan Finley for being terrible. We were all yelling at Zach Taylor about that. Why on God's earth would you keep bringing Finn Terry back week after week when you know exactly how it's going to end? I, I do not know because there's no better option. Cody Parkey. Clearly there has to be. I also feel, I mean, look, I'm not trying to be a homer for Jacoby Brissett here, but I do think. Homer. Oh, well, Ryan mentioned the injury, but I mean, like, look, I mean, 
he's averaging like five yards per attempt since his knee injury. Like he had an MCL sprain. I think that's sort of just he's an MCL sprain. His number one receiver's missing. His number one running back's missing. Paris Campbell's uh, missing too. Paris Campbell's missing. Is is uh you know Eric Ebron's on IR. I mean like everyone's gone. He's banged up. The defense isn't very good. I I don't I I don't know. I think too much is being put on Brissett. I tweeted out that the Colts were 100 percent going to miss um, the playoffs because of the the special teams. And somebody was like, "What about Brissett and the defense?" I was like, "I didn't mean that he's a." to blame for it. I'm just saying they're like 100%. Like they lost, they've lost multiple games because their special teams are bad. Um, and that, look, that's a fault. But, that, but that's also indicative of the team because we've talked about it before. Every game they play seems to come down to one or two plays because they're playing all these tight games. And sure. the sign of good teams is that you can put away a few good teams. And outside of that Jacksonville game, they just haven't really put away anybody. Uh, do you think the Colts are dead in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, they won game. <laughs> they've lost to the Steelers, they've lost to the Raiders. But they're just one game back with four weeks to go. They're not like that's okay. a lot of that's a lot of tiebreakers that hurt. Yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. I just like how Maddie got at the I'm question. Salted. I would even ask it. <laughs> and the Colts are also five and six in the conference, which would be the final tiebreaker if it's a three-way tie or something. And that is right now, hands down, the worst among everybody in the top eight, kind of fighting for that sixth spot. All right, Colts are dead men walking. Dead men walking, Brinson. Can I throw out one Derrick Henry fun fact real quick? Okay. With 149 yards today, he is just the fifth player in NFL history to rush for at least 145 yards and a touchdown in three straight games. The other four to do it were all Hall of Famers, Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson, O.J. Simpson, and Adrian Peterson. That's a, that's a fun fact. The Dolphins beat the Eagles. Oh, no, Debo. The Dolphins covered the plus 10. Obviously, the over of 45 hit very easily. Ryan Fitzpatrick went nuts. I believe that Fitzpatrick, um, if you use Fitzpatrick in daily fantasy, and perhaps, I don't know, Sean, stacked it with Devontae Parker. Rub it into Ryan, man. I, I'm kind of rooting for this because I find it funny. Uh, my man, Devontae Parker goes bananas in this game. Our slash A N A N A S bananas. Let's still clip that. <laughs> That's a new intro song, by the way, to the pod. Parker <laughs> seven catches on ten targets, 159 yards, two touchdowns, and he said after, if it's coming to me, I'm getting it. That's my ball. That's how I feel. I feel like you guys owe me a hundred bucks a piece for this Parker Watkins bet. That's how happy I am about it. Hey, you can say how well Watkins played, though. I was gonna say, did you say? Don't look, Brinson. I'll give you a hint. Sammy Watkins was targeted three times. What do you think came of it? Zero yards. Zeros across the board. That guy, <laughs> he should be ashamed of himself. He's not even trying. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible. Um, I wish I wish I had like some better bet on like uh, like Devontae Parker having a big game. Like like this is one of the all time great calls, and I'm just not going to get very much credit for it. Uh, well, Par- no, because you're one for 47 right now, and the one, <laughs> one is Devontae Parker. Parker's, the 46 are all the state quarterbacks that are now laying eggs. Parker is 16th in the NFL in receiving yards now. How is this happening? <laughs> I don't understand. See, I'm rooting for it at this point because Ryan is said you will It's funny, it. but it's, it's, you have to admit, Sean, this is insane. Hey, Jay Cutler called it two years ago when he said this guy's a faster version of Alshon Jeffrey. He actually looked like a better version of Alshon Jeffrey with the amount of catch, like the kind of catches he's making. He's not open. You know what I mean? Like he's not gaining separation. He's just going out and out bodying these guys for it. 
He was also I, sitting uh, on my bench in one playoff. Devontae Parker has 256 more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill. And he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes thrown on the ball. Imagine if he had made that bet before the year that Parker would would have more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill. Yeah. The odds that Ryan would have given you on that. Um, Sammy Watkins, by the way, 538 receiving yards on the season. Devont- How about those 11 rushing yards? Devontae Parker, I'll give it to you now. Devontae Parker, 854 receiving yards. What's going to be awkward is when one of these guys gets hurt down the stretch and like the, the other side is like celebrating it. Like Sean, I can see celebrating Devontae Parker injury. Like, ha we don't have to hear Brinson anymore. Uh, Breach, very important. What happened on the trick play? Did a punter throw it to a kicker? That was a fantastic trick play. And you know what's funny is that, like, if any team should be looking for a trick play, hello, you ran a Philly special in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and a team comes out in a formation that you see maybe once every 10 years in the NFL, you absolutely have to be ready for something crazy to happen. So you have the center, and the holder holder slash punter is lined up directly behind the center about five yards back. Then you have six guys who are about – 15 yards out left and four more guys who are 15 yards out right. And it was total nonsense. The Eagles, the thing is they actually played it well, except that uh, Jason Sanders, the kicker was lined out as a receiver far, 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 far left. And I guess they assumed the Dolphins aren't stupid enough to run a trick play with their holder throwing it to the kicker because no one would ever do that. They probably thought it was going to be go to uh, – there's like three eligible guys that could get the pass on this play. And somehow Sanders just kind of skipped to the back of the end zone, was wide open, and this is my favorite special teams play of all time. Um, I'm gonna see hey, can I ask uh... – well, Let me see if I get this out. This is Christian Wilkins after the uh... – <laughs> Oh, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't hear him, but he's pointing at the Eagles defenders and he's laughing hilariously. <laughs> when, in, in, in the Eagles defense, when they were lining up for this play, I was like thinking, you better not snap this because it looked exactly, not exactly, but it looked very similar to that Colts fake punt there. Y'all remember that's maybe the worst play in NFL history. And as soon as they snapped it, I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, yes. And yeah. like, if you look at the two plays synced up, it looks really similar, actually. As you're reenacting Chuck Pagano's reaction to watching that play live, he goes, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. Here's the, uh, here's the call of that, by the way. <laughs> The punter takes the snap, and then the toss to the end zone for the touchdown to the place kicker, Come Jason on. Sanders. Come on. Oh, man. I believe that is uh, Kenny Albert and uh, Rondi Barber, my second favorite Barber brother. Hmm, interesting. Um, Debo, you were at the game, is that right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Let me, let me ask you. I want to ask Debo. So the Eagles were up 10 nothing. I'm sure Debo probably felt good then. And then to start early in the third quarter, they were up 28 to 14. And I turned away. And when I turned back, it was like 28 to 34. So how did the third and fourth quarter, like, how did that unfold for you? Like the slow death by a thousand Ryan Fitzpatrick dump offs. The, uh, Devontae Parker didn't help either. See? Like, what a hellscape for Debo. He's like, Brinson probably yelling about Devontae. Yeah, that's, that's my worst nightmare. But <laughs> well, you felt good like at the start of the third quarter, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they tried the onsides kick, didn't work out. You hold a 15 point lead against the Dolphins. You're gonna win that game. You should win that game if you're a good team. And they're just not a good team right now. That was a uh, miserable experience. 
Debo, what was what went through your head when the Dolphins ran that crazy trick play? Uh, I why not call a timeout? Sean makes a good point where the the Colts play did not work, but it was the first half. Why not use a timeout and just collect yourselves? You had three. There's four minutes and forty seconds left in the first half. Call a timeout. I mean the and, Dolphins. The Dolphins scored four touchdowns. No, three. They scored twenty four points in the second half. That is unbelievable. Well, the worst part, well, one of the worst parts is that the the uh, Cowboys laid an egg. So this was there yeah. for the taking. They were up by 14 in the second half against the friggin' Dolphins. <laughs> and then, you know, the wheels fell off. I was going to ask you, do you still think this comes down to the, is it week 16, Cowboys-Eagles, or are you off the Eagles train completely? I, I should be, but it sadly still might come down to that. Like, I could see the Cowboys losing in the next two weeks, but the Eagles at this point could lose to the to the Redskins or Giants. That's not out of the rim of possibility at all. Yeah. Was this a bad win for the Dolphins? Yeah. They they moved – actually, they, the win because the uh, – they moved back to fourth, so they now have the fourth pick. The worst wins, and I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, the Steelers and the, and the Texans. Yeah. Because now they have the 21st and 22nd picks along with the fourth pick. Two was hurt. Steelers in the Steelers Texans AFC Championship game is not ideal for the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean credit to Brian Flores though. I mean we're talking about sleeper coach of the year candidates. He's won three more games than we thought they had a chance of winning. You're panicked if you took the Dolphins under, right? I think it was like three and a half or four and a half. But what about this though? Wouldn't this team be better with Minka Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunsil right now? Yeah, but you got to yeah, but Minka wasn't happy there. Yeah, because they, I mean, they were misusing him. And winning fixes a lot of things. Yeah, I've been told. I also wanted a contract, and I just didn't. I don't think he's on the, the timing of their schedule. Okay. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be good next year because they've blown it up so much that there's not, not going to be. They're blowing it up to get. They're tanking for Trevor. Yeah, who's going to be their quarterback next year? Fitzpatrick one more year. Yeah, got to bring him back. And they're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick killed and like bring in like Chad Henney so they can actually lose some games. They don't need. They don't need Fitzpatrick messing around. They had Josh Rosen sitting right there. They benched him. Bring in Ryan Finley. No, 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 they don't care about winning games now. They want to lose other games next year. They should trade for Ryan Finley and sign Phillip Rivers. That oh, oh and sixteen. <laughs> or they could sign Andy Dalton. He hit the Bengals out to an zero and eight start this year. Do you know what's crazy? Oh. The Dolphins are three and nine, and they could conceivably uh, win maybe the rest of their games. They, they play the jo- the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, and then Week Seventeen against the Patriots. And if the Patriots only need to play for, they could win it. Like, they could go seven and nine and all that talk about tanking. And then Sean's coach of the year vote does go to Flores. The Patriots are going to have plenty to play for in week 17. I hate to break Reach thinks no one plays in week 17 except the team he's talking about. So, yeah. Would you guys, do you think think the Cowboys right now to win the division? Yeah. Who are the Cowboys playing next week? Bears. The Bears. And then the Rams. Yeah, and, what I won, and that's right. Fifty-one percent chance I give them to win the division. I think the Eagles though have such an easy schedule. They just lost to the Dolphins. Well, yeah, is it easy? <laughs> yeah, the Dolphins are uh, a bulldozer. They're just running people the over. They've won three of five games. Oh, the Redskins have won two in a row. If uh, only the true. Dolphins didn't play this week, the Eagles would be sitting pretty. Devo's prediction is Cowboys sixty-six, Eagles thirty-four. Now that's, that's <laughs> sports, sports line. That's what? That's sports line. 
Oh, there's your playoff percentage chance. I thought you were saying the score of their game when they play. <laughs> That's what the week 16 score will be. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll take the under. Uh, Dolphins. This is the most points scored by a Dolphins team since 2015. And this Dolphins who scored, uh, who they scored? 37 had 26 points in the first four weeks of the season. Adam Gates never scored more than 37. I mean, this guy, this coach. He never scored. Yeah, yeah, never scored more than thirty. That's right. Jets are on fire now, though. Yeah. Um, that, was, <laughs> anyway, that was the first touchdown pass between a punter and a place kicker in either direction in the Super Bowl era. So that's exciting. Uh, and and Sanders is the first place kicker to catch a touchdown since who? Breach. Jim Turner. Boom. What year? Nineteen seventy-seven. Boom. Savage. You got reverse dunked on. Like that. Uh, right. Devontae Parker has tied his career high for receiving or yeah, made his career high for receiving touchdowns in a season. And did I mention he has 895 receiving yards in the year. That is preposterous to me. <laughs> more that's that's Crab way ragging. more impressive than throwing 50 touchdowns in a season, running rushing for 2,000 yards. The fact that he has 800 plus yards receiving, he's going to double up Sammy Watkins. Yeah, of course he is. Sammy's terrible. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is a poor. He's a homeless man's Devontae Parker. He's a, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's disrespectful to Devontae Parker to compare him to Sammy Watkins. Devontae Parker's going to win some fantasy titles too. Great, looking forward to it. <laughs> I can't wait. He did great on my bench today. Hey, what about uh, Greg Rosenthal uh, floated this? I like this idea. Devontae Parker for comeback of the year, comeback player of the year award. I mean, who's in second place? Well, he's not coming back from anything. He's just like, yeah, he is. Come back from being terrible for four straight years. <laughs> he's got this, oh my god, he's the Jets, Giants, Bengals, and then in Week Seventeen, the Patriots who won't care about anything. <laughs> that was an all timer. He's gonna go for eight hundred. He's gonna double up just on the Patriots game. Uh Dolphins are owed seven through the first seven weeks, three and two the last five weeks, averaging twenty four point six points per game. Hmm. Um Bengals twenty two, Jets six. Congratulations, Zach Taylor. You've been dunked on with a big bath at Gatorade after you got your first win. Your first career win as a head coach came after Thanksgiving. And you started the season with the team. Andy Dalton, the top fantasy performer, 15 points. Bengals covered the plus two and a half, obviously. The under hit. Um, and, uh, you know, look, if you're Andy Dalton, how could you not be extremely excited about everything that's going on with Cincinnati? You know, it's, uh, this is what we worked all, you know, all off season and, uh, and all year for. I mean, uh, obviously we've been in a tough situation this whole year and I haven't found a way to win. And so, I mean, it's very rewarding to get this thing done today. Yep, that's right. Worked all off season and all year to beat the to beat the Jets, uh, twenty two to six. The Jets became the first team in NFL history to lose to multiple teams who are zero and seven or worse in the same year. Incredible! They lost the zero and eleven Dolphins. I mean, the zero and eleven Bengals this week and the zero and seven Dolphins a few weeks ago. Um, excuse you, Ryan. This is, uh. Sorry, now, I hit the wrong mute button. My bad. Sorry. I reverse muted it, like reverse tanking or reverse muted it. Is that badly you cough every time you hit mute? I have this dry cough. It's a whole thing. I apologize. Tyler Boyd, five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he looked finally active again in that game. Sam Darnold threw 48 times and the, the Jets scored six points. I mean, I don't know, Breach. You tell me. Who should I be more impressed with? The Bengals for playing well or that should we, or should we just bury the Jets here? Who day? Who they, who they think gonna beat them Bengals? 
This team is undefeated in the month of December. You never thought you'd be able to say that about the Cincinnati Bengals. If we threw out the rest of the season and only counted the standings for the final month, which is the most pivotal month in the NFL, they would be in a playoff race right now. Uh, but honestly, to answer a question, Brenton, the big concern here is the Jets. How? I, I think I read somewhere, and to go back to the article we talk about from the preseason all the time, that Adam Gase literally sleeps in his office to come up with game plans. Well, he topped that because apparently he skipped Thanksgiving with his family to come up with a game plan to beat the Bengals. This is what you skip Thanksgiving for? Like, was he shoving turkey in his mouth while coming up with his game plan? Was he rubbing pumpkin pie on his body like I was? Because this was the most atrocious performance I have ever seen from a team that looked Hot. I mean, they were the last three weeks, they've scored 34 points in three straight games. Their offense was on a roll and they came out. This was just an absolute dud. I mean, last week we were talking about how we were shocked the Jets were only a three and a half point favorite. And, you know, I expected the Bengals come out with some fire because Andy Dalton got his job back. You're going for your first win. So it's kind of like your Super Bowl. It's we need to win right now. This is our best chance. It's a home game. But Adam Gase, it looked like these guys didn't practice all week. It's like he gave them the game plan five minutes before the game and said, all right, this is what we're running. And the thing is, the Jets, the Jets couldn't stop anything the Bengals defense did. The Bengals were giving up more yards than any other team in the NFL this year. This is, this should have been an easy 350 yard game for Sam Darnold. Not a get sacked four times, only throw for 239 yards and give up a safety game. So this was just, I mean, the Jets are a disaster. Brinson, you mentioned the crazy stat of losing to an 2-0 and 7 teams or worse. Uh, yeah, so I would be more concerned with the Jets. For the Bengals, it's just to feel good. You still get the number one pick. You finish 1-15 or 2-14, you're happy. Breach, who's the worst coach in your mind, Zach Taylor or Adam Gase? I would rather have Zach Taylor. Mm. I, I said it. Can we Easy. go around around the horn on that? Easy. Okay. Adam, Adam Gase in his coaching career has a negative 319 point differential. Again with the point differentials. On average of a game he coaches in the NFL, he's getting outscored by more than five points per game. That is horrendous. Well, he's actually, terrible. Using that math, I would imagine Zach Taylor's point differential is worse per game. I, I don't I don't understand why you crap on point differential. Well, that's all Sean brings up is point differential. Well, it's very indicative of a coach who's not very good. It's the it's a cumulative measure of whether you're outscoring your opponents in a game where you. I understand how it works. But if that's all Sean's going to say, we don't even need Sean here. We can just have a chart with point differentials of each team. No, I, I'd add that up because they don't accumulate that. Oh, all right. We need him to do the math. Okay, fair enough. Then you, that's why we need Sean. Yeah, I I mean, I would take Zach Taylor for the upside. I mean, like, I don't want to have What is the upside? Because the only reason I think John would agree with this, that Andy Dalton got his job back is because the higher-ups didn't want to go 0-16. He was all set to stick with Ryan Finley. You take Adam Gase? I would think I would just rather not have a coach. <laughs> well, that – it's not, that's cheating. I would rather, I would pick that option too, right? I would take, I mean, yes, I guess Zach Taylor because you, you like, he's the lesser of the two evils. Something else I was thinking about though, watching this game. I'd and, hire Adam, I'd hire Adam Gase just so I could ask him about tacos. <laughs> if you work for me, you have to answer. I'd be like, tell me about the tacos, man. But can we agree that we don't need eight games a year, two years to tell the coach is good? We can tell in about two or three games. Cause all these guys that we're still talking about after the, from the beginning of the season are terrible coaches, probably should get fired. Freddie Kitchens, Zach Taylor, Matt Patricia. Who else is getting fired? Uh, Doug Marone for years. I mean, this, he actually won some football games a few years ago. Um, Dan Quinn hasn't done a good job this year, but I feel like some of the new coaches, we see them after two or three games, like, okay, it's clear this guy's overmatched. 
and maybe we should get to the point where, we, all right, fire this guy in, in October and let's reset instead of waiting him out to we have to you know take another year and a half to figure out the figure out the, the putting the team on the right path. Hey, so what was the thing with Matt Rule and the Jets, by the way? Um, um, he wanted to bring his own staff, I believe, and they said no, and he said I'm out. That's my recollection. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. He said, "I don't want to say anything about that job. At the end of the day, I'm never going to be in an arranged marriage. I'm never going to be. I'm never. I'm never going to subcontract out jobs for offense and defense. I'm always going to hire people I believe in. They're going to do things our way." Matt Rule's got like Baylor headed towards the pack, like the Big Twelve championship. Like, imagine if they'd hired Matt. He's going to be a hot coaching candidate named this offseason. Imagine if they'd hired him instead of Adam Gase. Well, I mean, who was up? Who else was anyone else up for the Browns job other than Greg Williams? <laughs> Well, he was getting a lot of offers, so you don't know if he was going to take right. that one. Didn't Mike Sherman want it? But are Mike Sherman and Bruce Arians were both interested, but the Browns didn't contact either of them. Imagine if Bruce Arians was coaching that Browns team. My God, they'd be undefeated. <laughs> and let's also remember the Bengals couldn't hire a defensive coordinator. It took them months. Everyone kept saying no. And that defense held the Jets to six points. That's more of an indictment on Adam Gase. Yeah. The team with no defensive coordinator just shut down the Jets. That, it's just, oh, and I want to give a shout out to Andy Dalton because he set the Bengals franchise record for most touchdown passes, which I'm only noting because this team, not only did they bench him on his birthday, they benched him one touchdown pass short of breaking the team's franchise record, which just kind of sums up the whole entire organization. Um, hey, Breach, how many touchdown passes were dropped today? Two. So he could have, his numbers would have been better. By the way, I want to go back through every snap, and I'm willing to do this. And all the drop passes, I'm counting this yardage towards Sean's tattoo because they sure. should have been caught. Sure. <laughs> sure. Ryan, right, if you want to put in the work of watching all those Bengals games instead of eating a jar of mayonnaise, go go do it. Ryan's, Ryan's offseason is going to consist of watching Andy Dalton snaps, Sammy Watkins snaps. Like I, I found 300 hidden yards for Sammy. <laughs> Not a joke. Redskins 29, Panthers 21. I. Yay, Ron Rivera. This is a bad, bad loss. The Panthers had 14 nothing in the first five minutes of this game. I didn't score again until a garbage time touchdown later. Ron Rivera asked about it afterwards said, I'm not worried about my future. I'm worried about this football team. We have a game coming up on Sunday. Darius Geis was awesome in this game. He ran the ball really well. Looked very healthy. Like he's finally back from that injury. Um, you know, he tore his ACL in the preseason last year and then had, had another knee thing. Uh, 10 carries, 129 yards. Adrian Peterson, 13 carries, 99 yards. So to be clear, the Carolina Panthers led 14 nothing in the first quarter. The Redskins then proceeded to average 8.3 yards per carry for the entire game. How the hell is that even possible? Like, if you're up 14 points, the other team should be throwing. Darius Geis attempted 25 passes. Kyle Allen had more completions. How can you throw 46 times when you're up 14 nothing in the first quarter? This is a humiliating effort for Ron Rivera's defense. <laughs> I think it probably sealed the, sealed his fate in Carolina, uh, Ryan, and I think that, that we will be looking at a new Carolina Panthers coach this offseason. Agreed. I feel like this, this loss is way more embarrassing than the Eagles going to Miami and losing. This is at home. The Redskins are a truly terrible offense. Like the, the Dolphins can get hot. They have Devontae Parker. We all know that. So anything can happen with him out there. But um, Dwayne Haskins ain't playing great. He was 13 for 25. Didn't have any interceptions, but I guess it's a good thing. But I mean, 8.3 yards per carry. <laughs> is that good? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, Adrian Peterson had 99 yards on 13 carries. Adrian Peterson is a washed up old man, and I wouldn't dare say that to his face because he t- petrifies me. But, um, yeah, what do you think, Sean? Time to be done? For, oh, is Bill Callahan going to save his job? I mean, the, the problem is that who do you – I mean, yes, I think he's gone because of the ownership situation, and I just think he will want to bring in his guy instead of riding with the guy he inherited. The question I always have is who's, who's next? Definitely. And they also have to figure out – what are they doing with their quarterback situation? Are they bringing back Cam? Are they keeping Kyle Allen and drafting someone else? Or are they going to play Will Greer down the stretch? So, like, I understand why they'd move on from Ron Rivera, but there's a lot of hard questions they have to answer that lack easy answers. So, David Tepper, look at the analytics and realize he can unite the fan bases in North Carolina by signing Philip Rivers as a free agent and spawning one great final playoff run for Rivers. This team is two games better than the. Washington Redskins in the standings. That's how terrible they are. They're, they're, they're last in the NFC South. Our boss, EK, by the way, was Googling Redskins playoff scenario. So No, he was not. That's the state of the He tweeted it. <laughs> That's bad. Redskins have won back-to-back games for the first time since uh, last season when they won three games. Uh, 29 points is the most they've scored in a game since week three of 2018. So that, Coming together. They still haven't won a home game. And like, they're going to do what they beat the Lions last week. That's right. Um Look, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, and by the way, the Panthers have lost four straight games. Kyle Allen didn't look terrible. You just can't have him throw him 46 times. So. Well, That's the last play of the game was a horrible, horrible. A microcosm <laughs> of the whole game? A horrible mess. Buccaneers, Jags. We'll, we'll have more to talk about Ron Rivera. This, okay, you don't need to know about that game. Buccaneers, 28. Jags, 11. The Bucks covered minus three. It closes minus three. They were my best bet. Of the week, the under 46 and a half hit. That was the overs part of our parlay. Um, I tweeted out that you should probably watch out for that and take the under instead because of weather conditions. It was very windy. In fact, Peyton Barber was a top fantasy performer. Bucks hammer the Jags and James Winston, Mike Evans do nothing. Minshew took over mid game. Pete Prisco said, um, well, Minshew said, by the way, one thing I didn't appreciate is all the booing today. You got guys put their hearts out there every play, every game, and nobody deserves that. I hated how that was. Uh, Nick Falls called it a not an easy game, a tough situation. It's a trial, and the trials keep coming. It's not easy, but I know where my heart is and where my faith is and what I'm going to lean on in this time. You never want to go through it. It's difficult, but you know what? I'm going to look at the bright side and keep my head held high. P.S. I have a Super Bowl ring. Suck it, losers. Um, he didn't obviously say that. Are we done with Doug Marone in Jacksonville Breach? Yes. You know what's funny is I think that Doug Marone, or at least Tom Coughlin, Every time Nick Foles threw a stupid pass today, which was almost every pass he threw in the game, I felt like that was one little uh, nail being nailed into their coffin as people who are going to stay in Jacksonville. Because, look, they invested a lot of money in him, and this was rock bottom. This was the disaster that can get everyone fired. Nick Foles came out, and the Jaguars turned the ball over on their first three possessions you had Nick Foles throw an interception on the opening possession okay maybe he'll get better on the next possession right nope strip sack and the Bucks return it for a touchdown so now all of a sudden it's 13 nothing because the Bucks scored after Foles's interception Nick Foles gets the ball back you know what maybe he'll bring us back in the game nope strip sack again Bucks recover it that is three turnovers within the first quarter Bucks scored after every single one. It was 22 nothing, and they should have just bench Foles after the first quarter and then cut him, give him a $60 million parting gift, and just roll with Minshew for the rest of the season. There's no reason to keep Marone. There's no reason to keep Foles. Uh, just 
Go Minshew. You have nothing to lose. I don't care what the contract is. Conversely, Ryan, we have Jameis Winston, Bruce Arians back in Tampa Bay now. Five games. I mean, it certainly feels like it. I mean, the great irony with Jacksonville is that they spent all offseason trying not to get a young quarterback, and they bring in Nick Foles. He's going to get everyone fired. Um, juxtapose that with Jameis Winston, who seems to be sort of figuring things out as much as Jameis can figure something out in, in Bruce Arians' offense. Look, the team's won five games, and this team, the way he's played. They're in second of, place. They're in second place in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, if you watch Jameis' highlights, you're like, okay, this team hasn't won a game in three years. But they're somehow finding a way to do it. They drafted those guys on defense. I think Devin White, the rookie linebacker, scored a touchdown today. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, again, what's plan B? Um, Sean was talking about in terms of the coaching situation in Jackson. But what's plan B after Jameis other than starting over? I mean, we saw plan B, the quarterback situation, after Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. And that somehow turned out worse than Blake Bortles. So I, I feel like the only issue is what are you going to have to pay Jameis to get him back? Uh, by the way, first game for Jameis since 2017 where he did not throw a touchdown or an interception in a game. Oh. Uh, first time since 2016 the Bucks have won when Jameis did that. I think, I mean, look, I think this is a situation where Jameis has to be willing to take a little bit less. You got to do some sort of bridge the deal. The Bears are going to pay him $35 million. No, I was going to say, please go back to Tampa Bay. Please take less. So Stay look, with Bruce Arians, please. Their final four games, three are at home. They have Indianapolis at home, at Detroit. Houston at home and at Atlanta, they could easily finish nine and seven. Not easily. They're five and seven. They could go eight, eight and eight. They're going to win out. It wouldn't be shocking if they went, if they won out. And they also had that crazy loss to the Giants, the 32 31 where Daniel Jones, uh, led that comeback. The loss we talk about every week where they got screwed over on the block field that was returned for a touchdown against the Titans. Like this is a team that probably could have won 10 or 11 games if you literally change two plays on the whole entire season. So I, I don't think Princeton's that crazy to say they could go nine and seven. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah. that's not going to get you anywhere near the playoffs in the NFC. But if, no, but if you go nine and seven, you're a hundred percent bringing everybody back and James is getting a fat new contract. Yeah, it's probably true. What's a fat new contract though? A, uh, a hundred million over four years and free pumpkin pie. <laughs> you had him. Hey, you mean pie. crab legs? You gotta leave with pumpkin pie. You can't leave with a hundred million. I mean, what do you, what do you think he gets? You think he's playing for 25 million a year? I don't. Is that too low? Yeah. I think 30. Yeah. You think Jameis Winston is getting 30? The yeah. Bears, Sean, I just told you what's gonna happen. I, Sean, well, have you seen I agree, that might happen the, and I'm boycotting the Bears as long as he's the Bears quarterback. I, mean, I think, I think you're looking at a situation where, look, if they finish nine and seven, it's a whole different ballgame. But if they finish seven and nine or eight and eight, um, and James is playing okay. He's still young enough. I think that you could go to him and say, listen, here's the deal, Jameis. We are going to give you a Nick Foles, Alex Smith, Tom Brady type, or no, I mean, uh, or Joe Flacco type. Tom Brady didn't make a lot of money. I mean, like, or you can get him for 25 million. Drew Brees is playing for 25 million. All these guys you mentioned are old. Derek Carr, his contract's $25 million per You think Jameis Winston is going to take less than Derek Carr? Or make less than Derek Carr? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo is twenty seven five. Jacoby is twenty seven nine. I can't live in a world where Jameis Winston's getting paid thirty million dollars a year to throw thirty yep. interceptions. You got million dollars for tough choices to make then. Dude, they not, <laughs> getting 30 Too far. <laughs> They're gonna give him thirty million dollars a year if they go nine and seven. That's just how it's They're gonna They're not happen. going nine and seven though, so I, Chris, I just told crazy. you that. You just said it was twenty five million. You just upped it five million a year. He agreed with me. If they go nine and seven, it's, it's thirty. Might be thirty five. 
Get out of here. Don't worry. The bet, the, the Bears will bid him up to 40. Is he going to take less than Jared Goff? No, of course not. You rather have Jared Goff or James Winston? Half a dozen of one. Who cares? I mean, you're losing either way. <laughs> Who would you rather have? Uh, Jameis, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'll go with Goff. Yeah. Just who cares? Because you don't play Jameis. Uh, and let's not forget, they could go nine and seven and get to the playoffs. Then Jameis is getting fifty million per year. <laughs> the Bucks aren't making the playoffs at nine and seven. Sean, they can, Sean. They can. Whoever they're playing in week seventeen isn't going to show up, <laughs> so he's going to go off in week seventeen anyway. Every team gets an automatic win in week seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the Falcons. They haven't shown up all season. Boom, dunked on. I think they're going eight and eight. Worst case, I think they're going to win three of those games. That's what I said at the very beginning of this conversation. And three of those four are at home. I can't believe I'm looking up Buccaneers' schedule. That's right. I can't believe you You're nervous about your new quarterback, Sean. Uh, I, are you kidding me? I want them to go 9-7, and seven, so I don't have to think about the Bears signing up. Speaking of Jared Goff, he actually almost uh, broke – or he made a run at Norm Van Brocklin's all-time yardage record. Goff had a monster day in a big bounce-back spot. The Rams are on the road against the Cardinals, and uh, after getting humiliated last week, they completely – and utterly flexed on the Cardinals. I mean, flexed all over. 34 to 7 final. Jared Goff, 32 of 43, 424 passing yards, two touchdowns. Blake, the boat, Bortles came in for a couple of, uh, couple of throws. Why is he the boat? What's that? He's the boat? Yeah, instead of the goat. Oh, I like that. The boat. Um, I think the, uh, pardon my take guys came up with that. Ty Gurley, 19 carries, 95 yards, one touchdown. Malcolm Brown ran six times. Robert Woods had 13 catches for 172 yards. Tyler Higby blew up seven catches, 170 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, 665 and one. Uh, Kyler Murray was not protected and not very good in this game, Sean. Yeah, I, I think you can look at both, both teams and it, it starts up front. And we talk about all the time how Jared Goff fares under pressure. I thought he was remarkably um, well protected, only sacked one time. And if you look at a lot of the highlights, just not under pressure, had clean pockets. And that's the Jared Goff that we saw um, the first half of last year. Conversely, you look at the Cardinals. Every I had this game on my second TV, and I had Chiefs and Raiders on my other TV. Uh, every time I looked at the Cardinals game, Kyle Murray is just running for his life in that backfield. He was sacked six times, and this is probably, I would say, the worst performance that I've seen him play, at least in recent weeks. Um, but a lot of it you have to pin on his protection, and I don't want to, I don't think you got to panic or turn this into a big Kyler Murray long-term implications. He's been awesome. He had a bad game. Um, yeah, against a, too. Yes, and, and against an offensive line that was just overmatched against Aaron Donald. Um, Aaron Donald like clotheslined him at one point. It was it was kind of embarrassing, ridiculous. And for Goff, we know the book on him. If he can get well protected and they can run their play action and their crossing routes with Robert Woods and all that, he's going to be great. And if he's under siege, he's not going to be great. And this was the case of the Cardinals just not having a good pass rush or not having a good defense. Mm. Still not going to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't buy this as a like indicative of things to come. I think it's a one game outburst. Well, the the problem with the Rams is that they they beat up on bad teams. They lose to anybody that's got a decent defense, and they're seven and five. So, like, how are you going to possibly catch? I guess you catch Minnesota. No, get out of here. Basically, the Cardinals thought it was Week Seventeen. That's how they played. Yeah, the Rams exactly. Rams finished with uh, Seattle. At Dallas, at San Francisco, and then uh, Arizona at home. So good luck with See, that. See, week seventeen, Arizona. I knew it. They had the weeks wrong. Uh, the, 
Vikings have at Seattle, Detroit, LA, Green Bay, and Chicago. Chicago won't show up in week 17. I'll tell you that much. Sean <laughs> um, knows that they won't. They it's fine with me. Listen, here's what's going to happen. Right before the game, Matt Nagy's going to say, listen, I know it's week 17. We have nothing to play for. Next year, we're getting Jameis Winston. So go out there and play your hearts <laughs> out. They're going to win that game. Packers 31, Giants 13. The Packers cover 6.5. They're over 43.5 hits. Aaron Rodgers had a huge game. Uh, and uh, we'll throw it to Breach, our, our noted weather correspondent. It was incredibly snowy. Rodgers said, I love the conditions. I admit I was a little worried that it might be more rain than snow. When those big flakes were falling down, I felt pretty good about our chances. Uh, we felt like we should, we feel like we should win a game like that against that opponent. They've been struggling this season. You still have to go out and execute. They get paid too. There's a lot of pride in that football team, a lot of good players. It was important for us to get a good road victory in a game that you all expect us to win and that we expect to win. Rodgers, 21 to 33, 243 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, first game with four passing touchdowns, multiple passing touchdowns since hope. Thanks. Uh, Rogers joins Tony Romo and Drew Brees as the only player in the Super Bowl era with at least three career games of four passing touchdowns or more against the Giants. Uh, Devontae Adams, six catches, 64 yards, and two touchdown passes. First time with multiple pu- t- touchdown catches, excuse me, since, uh, 2018. The Giants breach are eliminated from the playoffs. What did you think about that winter wonderland? Uh, I think that as soon as it started snowing, if I was live betting, I would have put everything on the Packers. Look, Aaron Rodgers is what he specializes in. I think before last season when the Packers uh, fell apart at the end of the year, he was like 15-1 and one in December winter games. I think those were at home, but this was basically like playing at Lambeau Field because it was snowing so hard. I mean, the first quarter was snowing so hard that you couldn't see any green blades of grass on the field. It was completely white. Fox had to superimpose gray hash mark and yard line markers on the screen just so anyone at home could see what was going on. And, you know, Brinson, you mentioned, you mentioned how good Rodgers was. And the flip side of that was Daniel Jones, who probably has never played in snow in his life, or if he has, probably only once or twice looked back through three interceptions, and that, that was the story of the game. You, you put people in snow who aren't used to playing in snow, and they struggle. <laughs> By the way, I'll point this out. Uh, Miami – was tanking for much of the season. I got rid of everyone. Redskins are an absolute hot mess. The Giants are somehow worse than both those teams. They only have two wins. They had three first-round picks last year. They traded Odell Beckham, and in exchange, they got Dexter Lawrence and Jabril Peppers. Then they took DeAndre Baker at the end of the first round. This team sucks. Yeah. Pat Schirmer's getting fired. He's worse than uh, McAdoo ever was, and that's saying something. McAdoo actually took that team to the playoffs. I don't know where the Giants go from here. Maybe you would you. What if you bring McAdoo back, and you bring Jason Garrett with him? Oh my God! Do we talk about this in the podcast yet? If they hire Jason Garrett, it's the greatest thing in the entire. World. <laughs> I will only listen to Nick Costas from now on if they hire Jason Garrett <laughs> as a Cowboys coach. Would I you mean, rather have McAdoo in your life again, or would you rather have Jason Garrett? James Winston. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's James Winston to Chicago and Jason Garrett to the Giants this offseason, and it is a dance party for this podcast. I'll tell you the, that. The Bears but are big winners. If you're the Giants, though, this is the one year that sucking this bad is actually good because if they end up with a number one overall pick, you have two options. You take Chase Young, fantastic. You need uh, somebody on the, that's that good on the defensive side of the ball. Or you have everyone who needs a quarterback trying to get Joe Burrow, and so all of a sudden they're just going to be making crazy trade offers and throw them in your face – and then you trade down and get a bunch of picks. So, uh, you know, if there is one year to suck and you – because 
they're the only team up that high that doesn't really need a quarterback, then Giants, maybe this was their plan all along, guys. Maybe they were the team that was actually tanking, not the Dolphins. The Giants had the Eagles twice, the Dolphins, and the Redskins. So if they lose out and finish with 2-14, and 14, uh, Pat Shermer's getting fired. Did you what? see, by the way, Pat Shermer, at the end of the game, they asked about Daniel Jones' three interceptions, and his response was, well, they weren't fumbles, or uh, paraphrasing, because Daniel Jones has, like, the fumbling problems. Like, if he had been playing over the course of the year, he'd be, I think, on pace to break the all-time single-season fumble record. Uh, it, that makes no sense to me. A turnover's a turnover. And, by the way, Daniel Jones, who threw three interceptions, fumbled once. So, Sean, you're glossing over the fact that Brenton said if they lose out, Shermer's getting fired. If they win out, Shermer's getting fired. He's done. You think so? I don't know. If he beats the Eagles twice, they, that might be enough to save his job. Are you serious? Yeah, NFC East. You beat an NFC East rival twice. That, that's that's how those guys operate in New York. Oh, we didn't we didn't make the playoffs or even win five games. We beat the Eagles twice. You, you're you're staying, Pat. Two Super Bowls since those seven. Yeah, that's a. I think they've gone downhill. Have to look like idiots and fire him. Let me put it to you this way: If they fire him, no one's going to be rushing to hire him, no matter what their record is at the end of the season. It's kind of funny, his career arc, too. The only reason he got the job is it's like the most fluky turn of events that Case Keenum somehow put together this, like, semi-MVP-esque year, and that's what got Pat Sherman this job. Like, that's literally the only reason he has this job is because Case Keenum played out of his mind for a little bit over a year or a little bit less than a year. Ooh, fun fact. Today was John Mara's birthday. Well, I wonder if he'll fire him as a birthday present to himself. Right after he finishes that pumpkin pie. Um, oh wait, here's a, oh, this is, this could be good. This, uh, this is Pat Sherman talking after the game. I'm always concerned when we don't win, right? And this is another feeling question, you know, and you know, I'll feel better when we win games. That's if you, if you're wondering how I feel, I feel a lot better when we win games and you know, I, I do see, you know, you you get an opportunity to watch us probably 20 minutes a day and you report on it. And this is a historically young team that's going out there and competing against some really good football teams. And we've got to do what we have to do to win games. And I understand that. But they also are developing. And at some point, we'll be good enough to win. <laughs> At some point, we'll be good enough to win. When people make excuses about anything personnel-wise, I keep coming back to the Steelers started a practice squad offense with Duck Hodges, who is shorter than Breach. So, <laughs> Are you assaulting me or Duck? Duck. I think both. Okay. But my point is that, I mean, listen, this is the NFL. Don't make excuses. You put together this roster along with Dave Gettleman. You guys are terrible. So it doesn't matter if they're young or old or whatever. Find a way to win some football games. Do you know what, without looking, Pat Shermer's record is now? How many years has he been in New York? No, no I'm talking about as, a, as an NFL head coach. Remember, he also had another stint before. He has won – he has to have won 42% of his games. Okay. 42? Is that too high? That is too high, isn't it? It's That's insanely high. They're 2-10 and 10 right now. <laughs> what do you think coaching for a while? He is now – 17 and 44. What's the math on that? Yeah, I was going to say. Under 28%. Is it? It's, 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 he's at 28.3% coming to this game. 
17. Who who is worse than that? Hugh Jackson. Uh, okay. <laughs> <I'll play. laughs> and Sean was saying he doesn't think Pat Shermer could get a job anywhere else. The Giants apparently specialize in that because since 1991, they've only had one coach that went on after they got rid of them to get another head coaching job. No one else has been a head coach again in the NFL. Where is McAdoo right now? Not a head coach. I assume he's asleep. He's probably walking his dog. Cashing his checks. Who knows what he's doing? <laughs> okay, yeah. No, wait, he has to have a job somewhere, right? I don't think he does. Harry going to come? He doesn't. He doesn't. He's just some unemployed goober with a bad haircut? <laughs> Who has a better career record than Pat Shermer? Yeah, he would have to. Bernie Lobax has a better coaching record than Pat Shermer. Not Rich, Rich Kotite. He won 11 games in 2000. Pat Shermer. He was fired after a 2 and 10 start to the 2017 season, which is Pat Shermer's record right now this year. McAdoo, McAdoo had 11 wins his first year with the Giants. Pat Shermer has 17 wins in five years as a head coach. Is that good? No, it's not. Uh, all right, let's, anyway, uh, see ya. They're fired. Broncos 23. <sighs> Chargers 20. That's <laughs> for last. Oh. And by the way, Brenton, I don't know if you noticed, but I beat you because Philip Rivers refused to throw the ball to Keenan Allen down the stretch. <laughs> you hate to see it. Yeah, I hate to see it. I think you beat me pretty easily without that. Oh, no, that no, eliminates Brenton from the playoffs, too. You got bounced. Oh, no. You beat me by two points and you have Tyler Lockett left. What are you talking about? You <laughs> this is what Ryan does. And – by the way, if you were winning by three points, say Keenan Allen got 40 more yards, he would have DM'd all of us before Monday Night Football asking, so yeah. what do you think my chances are I'm going to win? He does this every, he did it to me too when he was down by four with Tyler Lockett. Yeah. If I'd started Curtis Samuel over AJ Brown, I would have had a chance, but I took a flyer. Um, but that's not the story. The story is that Philip Rivers is not good. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Uh, Philip Rivers is our top fantasy performer in this game with 20 points. The Broncos obviously won and covered the plus four and a half. The over of 38 hit. Uh, it hit because the Chargers, um, went down the field, <laughs> out of field goal tight, 20 all with 14 seconds left and somehow lost in regulation. They did so. Anthony Lynn points out officials are not perfect, but I did not official. I did not like that call at the end of the game. I don't think that's the way you end a football game. To make that call, it had to be clear and obvious. Uh, to be clear, Drew Drew Lock threw the ball down the field uh, to Cortland Sutton. A Chargers guy ran into him. The ref, Casey uh, yeah, Casey Hayward hits him. A Chargers guy whip the, the official whips out the yellow flag, gets in the range. Brandon McManus walks in. Uh, and bangs down a field goal. It was a perfectly Chargers ending. They fall to four and seven. Somehow not a four and eight. Excuse me. Somehow not eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, but they they are by all intents and purposes. They have to be the most disappointing. Like the Steelers are the most surprising team this year, given how things have gone. The Chargers have to be the most disappointing. I will say this: Phil Rivers threw one interception, but um, they're right. That pi then was borderline terrible. I mean, it looked like the official had the flag in his hand before the ball was even thrown, or Drew Locke even threw it up in the air. I do love that James Lawson's like, you have to take a knee here no matter what. And I'm thinking, eh, just throw a bomb and see what happens. And that's exactly what happened. P.I., field goal, game over. The thing is, that wasn't the worst call of the day, of the week. I mean, it was a bad call, but in the scheme of things, it's it's right there with the rest of them. Rivers, uh, Rivers wasn't that bad. In this game. Can we talk about the 
storyline, the most important storyline this uh, game, was Brandon McManus, the Broncos kicker, was ready to fight Vic Fangio. Whenever you ever seen a kicker head coach, you get so crazy that it looked like the kicker was ready to punch his head coach in the face. Right before halftime, uh, the Broncos had the ball, and McManus, this is in Denver where you can kick about five, six yards further than you usually can. Denver drove to uh, the Chargers' 47-yard line, which would have been about a 66-yard field goal, and he wanted to try it. And you know what? After he – and McManus ended up hitting the game-winning field goal on the final play of the game. It was a 53-yard field goal. I would have taken that ball, and he should have just gone up and chucked it at Fangio and said, I told you, man, something like that. But anyway, Fangio was probably uh, – McManus was probably the second best fantasy guy in this game because he scored 15 points, Brinson, with uh, three field goals, two of them over 50 yards. And, uh, yeah, that was my favorite part of the game was the kicker almost fighting the head coach. It was delightful. Well, Ryan, what did you think about Drew Locke? Hey, he got out there, a couple of nice passes to Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's balling out. Um he made a few mistakes at the end there. I was okay with – at least you, you got to get him out there, and I suspect we'll be having the same conversation about your boy Will Greer in the coming weeks in Carolina. But, yeah, put him out there, see what you have. And um, is Brandon Allen hurt, or they just put him on the bench? Yeah, they just wanted to try Drew Lockout. He oh, played good. Up. Yeah, he was off IR. He's out there. He, he keep, keep him out there. He seemed quite happy uh, for <laughs> finally being able to play, and, you know, good for him. Um, did you all see that Anthony Lynn uh, feature before the before the game? You see Rex Ryan cry on TV? No. Did, Did Anthony Lynn have his shoes off? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like building, like he's helping like build, like in, in, in um, I think over in Africa, he's helping like build schools and stuff like that. They did a feature on it. And Rex, they got another, and they're like, Rex, what do you think? He's just like, and like start sobbing. It was like, that's why he's great. I know him for eight years. It was like, it's very uncomfortable. I don't ever want to see Rex Ryan cry. Well, that's awesome for Anthony Lynn. By the way, uh, you guys probably heard this, but we didn't mention it earlier. Warren, uh, Warwick Dunn's been making house, like building houses for people and giving away for free for years now, since he's long since he's retired. Over like 150, well over that. I think house number 60 something went to Deshaun Watson and his mom. Oh, that's cool. You just percent. Yeah, you just found that out. No, they were talking about it on the telecast. Yeah, everyone knows that. Okay, well we didn't mention it during the show, and you talk about Anthony Lynn. I thought I'd add that for people that didn't know it. Wait, wait, wait do you have a do you have a soundbite to play for it though? <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Trying to spread goodwill, and Oscar over here is crapping all over me. <laughs> uh, you don't like the sound bite, Sean? I like the silent sound bite the best. Can you play that one again? <laughs> no, I like Egg and Ryan on about it because it drives them crazy. Well, people are driving down the road, they hear silence, like, oh, the thing must have gone out. They turn off the friggin' podcast. I <laughs> I, I doubt they're going to do that. They're not turning it off because it's Sean's little electronic farts. They're not going to turn it off. For- they're not mine, man. They were happening before I was even on this podcast when I was listening. Likely uh, still. Anyway, Phil, 58 yards, lock 134, 18 to 28, Rivers 20 to 29. Um, By the way, Rivers wasn't great. There was conversations about benching for Tyrod Taylor halfway through that game. No, that's because Ian Rappaport reported it before that they were talking about doing it. Like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't, he wasn't the problem with the Chargers. Fair enough. They were getting carded up by Drew Locke. It happens. It does happen. All right. Uh, anything else from these games or anything else that uh, happened in uh, Sunday's action? Nope. Good to go. All right. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, make sure and check out your feed. Should be a Jason Locke and Fora podcast coming this afternoon. We'll also do a preview. We have the preview podcast with Dubin. 
uh, Jared Dubin and Jason Lockerford. And then we'll have a Monday night recap. Talk to you fools later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.